Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Use our handle at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll find it there. And as always, you can email us at Show at gmail.com. Today is episode 30, uh, sorry, 73.5. And as always on the point five, I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bonos podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind. My co-host, Ellen Wigginter. Edub, how you doing today? I'm well. How are you? It's been uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks since we had technical difficulties last week. Yeah, let's let's catch everybody up because then P money got got in my ass this week about this too. So, <laughs> um, all right, Ricardo and I recorded on Monday or Monday night, late night. Um, as of right now, that has still not been released. It's going to get released on Friday. Uh, this will come out on either Saturday or Sunday. Um, in the meantime, I was going to do the Royal Rumble stuff with Peyton before and after. However, we have had some major issues, technology issues here at the office and at the studio. Mm -hmm. Um, so that has all been cleared up now. So we're going to get, we're back on our regular schedule, a little bit more regular, I guess. Uh, again, regular. I also had a day where I was business stuff was just crazy and I couldn't get caught up. So I've been working on some stuff for a couple of my my bigger clients. So I had to take care of that. And now it's like, okay, now I got some time. So let's get this stuff done. So bear with us. Things are coming. We got this. Uh, the episode of Uncle Rico will be out. It should be out by now. And then um, money will be in at some point that we're going to talk wrestling because now we're getting ready for wrestlemania and all that good stuff so we're going to mm-hmm. talk about his experience at royal rumble and then next week we'll do our super bowl preview that's going to be three of us you me and uncle rico together nice. so we're going to figure out when to do that and we'll have some fun with that so thank you for being um uh patient with me we've tried folks we've tried three or four times to record now and there has always been a technical issue on my end. Ellen's been extremely kind with her time so, <laughs> and patient and dealing with me and my bullshit. So I, thank you, sweetheart. I love you to death. Thank you. Well, I love you too. I mean, you can't control what you can't control. So yeah. Well, luckily we got it all worked out over here now. And uh, Uncle Rico helped with a couple things. And then I was able to get some stuff done Tuesday that made everything work. So nice. We're good. We're not going to have any more delays in Zoom or any other problems. So, whew, let's get into it. So, this is not, we're not the breaking newscast here, but we're going to <laughs> things that are out there. We're recording on Friday. And when we came on, I said, You want to talk about something? And, she, and, and Ellen says, How about this Kyrie thing? And I was like, Yeah, y'all know I hate Kyrie. <laughs> But let's talk about Kyrie for a minute. If Kyrie Irving has asked to be traded today, um, we're saying that it looks like, uh, according to Wo- uh, the Woj on ESPN, um, you know, Kyrie said to be a free agent and he wants to be traded now. Um, a couple of names being floated out here are the Mavericks, the Lakers. I can see the Mavericks being a decent fit. The Lakers is just him wanting to escape. Durant to go play with LeBron, right? You have to think so. I mean, listen, Kyrie is his own pat. Um, I'm not sure from a value add standpoint how yep. franchises will look at him. 
Mm-hmm. But with the trade deadline coming on Thursday, it was kind of a surprising Friday news dump yeah. to see that he's actively asking for this. And um, I think the Lakers would be dumb because I don't I don't think they're going to end up doing much relative yeah. to the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, this guy's a this guy's a diva of divas. Yes, and. He is probably, if not my least favorite athlete, he is definitely in the top five. I think he probably is my least favorite athlete. Okay. He's up there. So, I mean, he makes me like Kevin Durant. And <laughs> I hate Kevin Durant, too. So, um, totally different reasons. I mean, with Kyrie, just because he's a nut job. With Durant, it's because he wants to be like LeBron and isn't. Sure. So, that's my thing there. So yeah, I good luck. Good luck in the Nets trying to trade him for anything of any value. And I for the team, why would I give up anything of value for him? He's gonna it, come in, he's gonna spook your whole locker room. Well, that's what I mean. Like that's what I'll be curious to see if something comes together is what we know of the trade to kind of get some ideas for what that valuation was on the receiving side. Yeah, um, crazy stuff. I, I just don't know how this is going to work. So uh, it, it's amazing. Um, I want to talk about another report that we saw this week. Now, this is kind of us getting into nerd stuff a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm sure you watched the games this past Sunday. The two, the oh, two yes. Um, we've talked at length already, Ricardo and I have, about the two games. I mentioned how I thought they were both bad games. Um I get the Chiefs game. The Chiefs Bengals game was close, but doesn't mean it was well played. It was sure. just close to the score. Um, but the worst part of that game to me, other than Joe Burrow losing, was the announcing was awful. It wasn't great. It wasn't even good. Like literally, Tyler Jones and I would have done a better job than Nance and Romo on that broadcast. And now the story has come out that Romo had to have a – there was a sit-down with Romo at one point during the season. or No, during the summer. During the summer, where um, they're being so – the, the word that you're being used is that it's an intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, this was basically from Andrew Marchand at the New York Post, who's the sports media guru. He yep. is the sports media what Woj is for the NBA. Uh, basically saying that Romo has not been as prepared as he once was. And, and I think we see that in their broadcast, honestly. I think this week we really saw it. It was just him loving up two players the entire game. Well, and I, you and I discussed this a little bit before. He made it look easier the initial couple of seasons because he was still relatively close yeah. to the game. And so he didn't have to worry about looking at tape, figuring out different plays or, you know, really trying to keep a foot of what other teams were doing because he just walked away from it. Um, But a few years out, things change, whether you like it or not. And you can say, well, I was an NFL quarterback for X number of years, so it's going to be great. You've got to do the work. I mean, the one thing about Aikman that he's continued to show in his long duration with Joe Buck is he does the work. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if Romo actually did the work early on. It was just 
easy because he'd just come off of it. Yeah, and he had a lot of familiarity with people who were he was calling games with already. And right. then he, he was obviously going to practices, which they all do. Um, now, during COVID, they couldn't. So there was a lot of Zoom calls and stuff like that. Because you'd hear Tony Romo say, hey, we saw this at practice. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was obviously paying attention and, and getting into that study. Now they're saying that they are, the report we're seeing from Andrew Marchand is saying that you know, he's not really studying. And I think it shows. I think it, I mean, I made a comment even before this came out. I made a comment earlier in the week. I think we did it with Uncle Rico as well. We talked about how I really thought that the um, broadcast with Romo was bad. How it was yeah. just him loving up the quarterback, whoever had the ball. Now, that's great in that you can't complain if you're a Chiefs fan and you talk too much about Burrow. Or if you're a Bengals fan, you can't say you talk too much about Mahomes. But at the same – because he did. He loved them up. That's all he talked about. And even though someone like Chris Collinsworth, who I'm not the biggest fan of, even he will say, hey, look at this protection piece on the line or let's right. zoom in on this, uh, which makes him better than Romo in that, in that way. It's really funny because I have a friend who's a huge Tony Romo hater. She just thinks that he's the worst announcer. And I really wasn't on that boat till this season. Like I had been, hey, I think he's pretty good. And then this season, it's it's preparation. It's like anything else. Right. And it's kind of interesting given that um, Tom Brady retired again this week, um, supposedly for good. And it's understood that he has a pending contract to come in at Fox as an analyst. Um, And I'm sure that works out in any number of ways with Sean Payton getting hired by the Broncos. So there's a seat open there. So. Well, it's. Does that influence how he comes into the market? Is he going to kind of be more like Romo was the first couple of years, or is he actually going to do the background and tape study and stuff? Well, it's a great question. And here's why, here's what the unique thing is with Brady. Uh, Brady's deal with Fox is to be the number one analyst. So his deal is to actually take the job that Greg Olson currently has. Which Greg has rightfully staked claim to. Has done. I think Greg Olson has done a fit. I think Burkhart and Greg Olson are the second best group in football right now. I think yeah. only are better. And I, I like them a lot. I think they're really good. I think Olson's great. I wonder what will happen. Will they make that a three-man booth? Will they, you know, say, well, we made this deal with you, Tom, but let's bring you into the studio and let's do that. I think the one way you can get him to change his mind and do some of that stuff in the studio is put him and Gronk together. They have Gronk, and he, yeah, yeah, no, Gronk's that that good. would be that would be interesting. And if there is less of a drive for him to travel, at least yeah. for the yeah. first year or two, to get him settled in what any kind of post Giselle life is with his kids and all that kind of stuff. If he's only going up to New York once a week for, you know, eighteen weeks. Yeah, that's yeah. probably a little bit more appealing than having to travel for eighteen weeks. Okay. Okay, so the next thing I want to get with you about is there's also a story that came out today. I saw this on ESPN.com and more nerd stuff here, but uh, 
MLB, Major League Baseball's got a problem on their hands. And this is a lot of the regional TV networks are about to have a bankruptcy issue. And for those who don't know, every team has their own local contract. So for those in Kansas City, they have a deal with uh, Sinclair Stations that runs the, uh, what's it called now? It used to be Valley Sports, yeah. It used to be Fox Sports Net, then it was something else. Well, a couple few years ago, the Sinclair Broadcast Company went and bought the rights for a whole bunch of Major League Baseball, NBA, and NHL teams. And I uh, think, if I'm correct, this was part of the divestment that was kind of forced on Fox. Yes. When Disney bought up a bunch of products yep. and that kind of thing. So their yeah. regional sports networks were part of that spinoff. Yeah. So the Valley Sports Network, which is owned by a company called Diamond, which is a subsidiary of Sinclair Broadcast Group. Um, they own the rights, the baseball ones they own, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Atlanta Braves, Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland Guardians, Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals, the Angels, the Marlins, the Brewers, the Twins, the Cardinals, the Padres, the Rays, and the Rangers. That's a shitload. Mm-hmm. So, and then you do it all under the umbrella of Valley Sports. Now, the problem is now, Sinclair is basically doing away with this. It's going to go into its own company and then it's going to go bankrupt. So now Major League Baseball has had to put together some sort of group to eventually try to purchase this out of bankruptcy court. And so what I go ahead. The potential would be that MLB would actually own these. Yes. So what my understanding was, and I heard this again from one of the sports media podcasts, was that MLB is putting this together because they want to then go in and buy these rights back mm-hmm. from the um, from the bankruptcy court, package it together, and make a deal with a provider online, whether that so, be Amazon or Apple. or or Netflix or or Apple or whomever to put something to get more widely going. And so that's my understanding of what's going to happen. The thing that's weird about it is that like in baseball with these kind of contracts, we have the haves and the have nots. This is where the money situation comes from. Uh-huh. If you notice, we named all those teams. What did we not name? We didn't name any of the large organizations, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Cubs. They we all have their own networks though. They have their own networks. And so, like, for the Yankees, it's the Yes Network. The Dodgers have their own network. And the Cubs they, have Marquee. Yeah, and the Cubs have Marquee. Yeah, the Red Sox have Nexon. Mm-hmm. And they get a lot of money. They actually get more money from that than they get than these other groups do. Bally was trying to do something. And what Sinclair tried to do, they bought these before COVID. And at the time, they were going to have more cable. It worked out great. You, everybody who had cable was going to go see the Royals. If you were a Royals fan in Kansas City, or if you were a Braves fan in Atlanta, you got you know Valley Sports. And you right. get to see all your Braves games. Well, then COVID hit, and more of the cord cutting happened, and then you couldn't find a home for these. Now I'm someone who subscribes to the MLB TV app, and I get every game except you know what I don't get? The Royals games. I don't get Royals games. Even when they're playing uh, on the road against another team, I don't get Royals games. Now, I'm not a Royals fan. It doesn't really hurt me. 
But for a Royals fan that wants to get the Royals games, how do you do that? So Sinclair came up with the idea last season of we'll package teams and put getting it and have an app where you can order the games, you can get your team, and it's 20 bucks a month. And so in certain places you would get, you could get two teams. Like you could get not two in major league teams, but you can get a, a major league baseball team and a hockey team because they'd have two, two teams in the same market. Or right. you might get an NBA team with it. I think Cleveland was one of those where you got the Cavs and the Guardians. Sure. Um, there's been a focus like Yes Network does that for the Yankees. You can get Yes online now. Nesson does it for the Red Sox. It's $35 a month for Nesson. Yeah. Like I wouldn't pay that for, you know, I'll just pay my 120 for the year for MLB TV to watch my Red Sox games um, because I get everything else. So it's good enough for me. I get mine free through T-Mobile. So, yeah. So what I'm going to do is what, what I think Major League Baseball is going to do in this case is they're going to buy these back super cheap and try to package this shit up to Amazon or to Apple TV or to somebody, YouTube, whatever. Well, they already have the Friday night baseball um, package with Apple TV Plus. Yes, Apple has that, and they have a Sunday morning package on Peacock. The biggest issue that I saw, um, just because my Twitter timeline is pretty heavy on the Kansas City concentration, is that even for folks who had purchased access to Bally for the Royals, half the time they couldn't get it to work in such a way that you could actually watch the games. So the platform in and of itself was very poor. And I think that there, with so many states legalizing online gaming and online sports books, I think they thought that Bally could tie into you know, the casino side of everything, and they just couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, and we're we're seeing now how, you know, things like FanDuel and um, and DraftKings, uh, a proud sponsor of the Coach Bono's podcast, um, now have content on their own. Yeah. And we might see that happen at some point. It'll be interesting. Baseball is going to package this back up. They're going to buy it cheap back from the from the from the, 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 the the debtor in this case, um, but Sinclair paid. Listen to this: in 2019, when they bought the, when they acquired this from Disney. They paid 10.6 billion dollars to get these assets, and now they're basically worth nothing. Yeah, and it's wild given what Sinclair actually. Um has on their own as far as newscasts and it's extremely right wing. Yeah. So it's kind of funny to see the thing that should just be able to make money because it is what it is just yeah. fall apart. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no good, no, no bad deed goes unpaid. There you go. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So I thought that was an interesting thing to take a look at. And I know we talked about, I, I you and I, I like having these conversations with you because you're, you, you're kind of. There's the nerd in me, but then you like the business part of it too. So it's yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's fascinating to see. Yeah. 
you know, we don't know what the consolidation is going to be. I mean, they announced, what was it yesterday, that Texas and Oklahoma probably won't be able to transition to the SEC until 2025 because largely media rights, they couldn't get negotiated in a way that made sense for them to transition out early. So it's, it's going to be a weird landscape for a few years. Yeah, the media fascinate the media rights deals are amazing to kind of follow what's happening there. And now we have some big players who come in with Amazon and, and Apple TV and uh Sunday tickets going to YouTube. YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, um, you know, depending on the cost, I might be getting that. So right. And I haven't had it in years, but it would be great to kind of have it again if it's reasonable. Yeah, if it's reasonable, I'm gonna do it. Um but the big story I wanted to talk about, and I want to spend a little time on today, we're both baseball people. Mm-hmm. And it's been about a week and a half since we since this actually happened, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it. We were going to do it last week. And that's that we have a new Hall of Fame election. Yep. So for people who don't know, there was only one elected player this year, and that was Scott Rowland, the former Philly in red, um, third baseman. Uh, elected to the Hall of Fame, the only player to get 75% or more of the votes for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to me, it was, I was surprised he was the only one. But then when I did like my ballot, I was like, none of the guys that I would vote for would get through. It was, it was kind of weird when I looked at the ballot and was like, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that, I don't know, it was a strange one to me to say who's, who's in, who's out. And so I want to talk to you about it because here yeah. we go. Um, let me get the real ballot. That's just a projection. This year, only Scott Rowland got in, got in, basically the Baseball Writers Association of America votes. And you have to be on 75% of the ballots. Um, Scott Rowland was number one. He was on 76.3% of the ballots. Only person elected this year. Uh, Todd Helton was second, uh, 72.2%, which was the, a 20% increase for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting elected next year. If its mm-hmm. numbers are going up that high, he'll be next. Um, some of the other notable ones on here, Billy Wagner was third. Andrew Jones uh, jumped over to 58%, an increase of 16% from the year before. Gary Sheffield also had double-digit increase. From uh, up fourteen point four percent to fifty five percent. Okay, uh, it's his ninth year on the ballot. So next year will be Gary Sheffield's last year. Yeah. Um, notable first year people. Carlos Beltran was the, the biggest name that was the first year on this ballot, and he garnered where are we at here forty six point five percent of the ballot. Uh, other first-year names, Francisco Rodriguez was the only one who got more than 10%. He was at 10.08. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of all the other first-year guys, these are guys like uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, John Lackey, R.A. Dickey, Bronson Arroyo, Mike Napoli. They received less than 5% of the ballots, so they are going to be off the ballot next year. I mean, um, and it should be noted that there are still – good number of the so-called steroid players on the ballot and still eligible to continue on the ballot. Let's talk about those. That's where I was going to go first. So Alex Rodriguez, 35.7%. 
he was an increase of 1.4 on his second year on the ballot. Uh-huh. And you can be on the ballot for 10 years. Manny Ramirez, another guy who was a, a, Hall of, a, stero- a steroid guy. Uh, seventh year on the ballot for Manny, he's up 4.3% to 33.2. Uh-huh. Um, we can lump Gary Sheffield into that steroid thing. I know there's been question marks on Gary Sheffield. Uh, but there's never been any real proof. And he was at 55%. He's the highest of anyone who's had any kind of questions. Right. Um, but there has been, I mean, McGuire and Sosa are now off the ballot. Yeah. We've exceeded their 10 years. Um, they're now into the committee phase of this. Oh, which we'll get to. right. It's a, it's a, I'll explain it in a minute. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's like four different committees now and they meet <laughs> once every four years. So I find it interesting because a lot of those guys are coming off now. And now we're seeing that those guys aren't getting in. McGuire, Bonds, um, Bonds is off the ballot now. Sosa's off the ballot. You know, if A-Rod doesn't get more than 35%, he's not getting in. Um, and there's, I mean, you know, we a 1.4% increase. I just don't see that happening. Have you... I'm going to share this with you real quick. Okay. Take a look at this. Can you see what I got here for the baseball yep. writer? Yeah. Tell me who you would have voted for. Um, you know, it's interesting here in Denver because a lot of people felt that this was going to be Todd Helton's year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of discussion around why he is likely being discounted for playing in altitude. Yeah. And that is the only knock literally on Todd Hill. Right. That they're like, he would have not hit as many home runs and and that kind of thing had he been at sea level. And then I think I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago when we were going to talk about this is that if you look at some of the comparisons for someone like Mark Grace, who played for the Cubs, and other folks, he had better stats than Scott Rowland did. And he's not showing up anywhere. Yeah, he's off the ballot. Yeah. What, yeah. And what I find interesting about the guys who are remaining on the ballot is that this is close to the last class of the steroid guys. Yes. And as they cycle off and go to committee is the pretentiousness and the pettiness of the baseball writers going to be overruled by the players who actually played. That's a good thought. Yeah. I mean, that's where the committee, that's where the committees were put in the way they are. Mm-hmm. All right. So you see the list here. I'm going to read, I'm going to read off the people who got 10%. So Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Beltran, Jeff Kent, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, Omar Vizquel, Andy Pettit, Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins, Mark Burley, Francisco Rodriguez, Tory Hunter. Those are everybody who was 5% of them. Uh-huh. Give me who you would have voted for. I think Manny should be in okay okay 
I don't have any concerns about Helton getting in. Um, and it may just be that they needed Roland to get off the list. I don't know who the incoming people are for next season. There's not a big list coming up, yeah. Um, what I'm really interested to see is did A-Rod burn too many bridges? Yeah. Would you and have voted for him? No. Okay. I think... But you would vote for Manny Ramirez. For whatever reason, it just feels a little bit different. Okay. And, and I think part of it is how he did himself as a professional athlete. And so... That's why I kind of wonder if there's some personal grudges that continue to get hung on to. I'm sure there is in A-Rod's case, yeah. Yeah, by the baseball writers especially. And so I could see someone like Andy Pettit Mm -hmm. make a huge jump next year. Is he someone you'd vote for? Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, one that was popular and we thought might get there a couple years ago was Omar Vizquel. Yep. And then in off-the-field issues have caught up with him. He's had some domestic abuse issues. Now we're seeing some uh, – um, there's a, a report out about him and a uh, him sexually harassing a young woman who worked for one of the teams he was coaching last mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, a guy who wasn't a great offensive player but was a, a top-tier defensive player all the time. Uh, but his numbers have dropped. If you see, he's the one who dropped the most votes this year. Down right. 4.4%. I think the, the Writers Association has become not just, you know, the elector, they're the electors, obviously, but they have also become sort of the um, the, the, the right and wrong. They're Thank going yeah. to hold us uh, to a standard where they're going to say, if you have any question marks, we're just not going to let you in. And I'm of two minds about that. I'm mm-hmm. going to Stop sharing this for a minute. I'm of two minds about that. One, I understand. I, I understand you're trying to say we have baseball. We don't want to let certain people in based upon it's going to be hard. You know, what the no Marvis Kellis say, someone who is you know, now gone through some abusive things with his wife and other stuff. How do you explain that to your child when you're walking them around the Hall of Fame? Right. At the same time, hey, Ty Cobb killed a guy. so that makes me wonder and i'm sure there's an evolution of such of how the hall of fame came to be and how baseball writers were deemed to be the electors and what kind of inquiry was given to people that most of us never saw in person. Yeah. You know, the Homer Wagners, that kind of thing. How, what do you know of these people, of their personal lives as compared to now in the last 20 years when it's a 24 seven? Yes. That, that's different. You know, I like that we've, we've heard all these stories like, you know, when from generations ago, we heard stories about Mickey Mantle uh-huh. would go out and party every night and the reporters would not talk about it out of respect to Mantle. Right. You know, nowadays that wouldn't be out there. Like they would be out there if he was drunk in a bar and this and this, you know, three nights a week or four nights a week or every night. 
Yeah. Uh, we've heard, and he was the one who told the stories before he died. I mean, it was, you know, there was the, you know, Ty Cobb killed a guy, um, you know, but you couldn't have a baseball hall of fame and put it together back in the fifties and not have elected Ty Cobb. Sure. I mean, he might be the greatest player. ever. I mean, mm-hmm. he's certainly in the argument, you know, so I get it. It's one of those, well, are you electing the player or the person? Much like we have started to really discuss separating the art from the artist. Yes. There's nuance to everything. Mm-hmm. So I looked at that list and I just went off baseball. I just said, look, who do I think deserves to be in the baseball hall of fame? Okay. I did. I would have voted for Todd Helton. Absolutely. I think he's definitely worthy. I would have voted for Andrew Jones. Yeah. I would have voted for Gary Sheffield. I would have voted for Carlos Beltran. Mm-hmm. And I would have voted for A-Rod. Okay. Those are the five that I look at the ballot and go, yep, these five. What I also realized by looking at this ballot, and I was thinking about this as far as uh, Billy Wagner, Andy Pettit, who you brought up a little bit ago, it's going to be really hard for pitchers to get into the Hall of Fame moving forward. Yes. Extremely hard because they're limited in, in innings and everything else moving forward. I mean, we've got three or four playing right now who are surefire in. Verlander's going to get in. Scherzer's yep. um, Scherzer. going to get in. Mm-hmm. DeGrom is probably going to get in. And yeah. Grinke, you could argue, should be in. Mm-hmm. Um, Grinke's going to go to his last year now. He's going to go in and retire after this year at the Royals. Um, but, and again, I would argue on the Grinke one. I'd be like, eh, he wasn't all there his whole career. Right. Four, I think you can say, yeah, they have been. But other than those five, hey, look, it's going to be real hard to get in because they don't pitch the same. So then you got to think about the nuance of that. Mm-hmm. You just got our first two DHs elected in the last five years with Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz. So does that help a Carlos Beltran? You know, I mean, uh, does it help? What if Rafael Palmero had come out after David Ortiz? Sure. But I'm more caught up in the pitching thing just because of yeah, how much exactly. that has changed. Yeah. Are we going to see a closer come in again? I, if you look, okay, closers now. Wow. I don't know that we have one. Um I mean, is Sandman the last one that... Maybe. Well, I mean, like, for years, we would have all thought Craig Kimball would have got in. Uh And he may not now. And, I mean, I would vote for Craig Kimball. I think he's been a knockdown, drag-out, great closer everywhere he's been. Um, And he's just a fantastic dude, so... (laughs) So, um, I would vote for Kimball. But, like, what about Jonathan Papelbar? Yeah. No guy who was nails everywhere he went. Um, you know, I mean, right now your best guys are what Edwin Diaz, who's also playing for the Mets. I mean, so it's a huge, it's, it's a huge market. Um, but, but if yeah. you're only coming in for one inning, three, three outs instead of six to nine, yeah, how well, does that change how these guys are perceived and evaluated? Yeah, well, I mean, even in the case of like uh, Mariana Rivera, you know, uh-huh. who I think will be the last, maybe the last reliever to get in, he only pitched most of the time three outs. He yeah. had some extended ones in certain areas, but it wasn't like Goose Gossage and Bruce Suter and those guys who were pitching three innings 
Dan right. Quisenberry back in the day, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but you know, those guys who did pitch, Lee Smith was one of those guys. Yeah. And you go, okay, well, these guys pitched two to three innings, you know, 70 times. Mm-hmm. So it was a little harder then. But the game's become so nuanced. And we've come so difficult. Now we got people who only hit, we got hitters that are on rosters just so they can hit against lefties. Right. It's full money ball now. Yeah. And so how do you equate that? It's That's why I wanted to have this conversation with the Hall of Fame today. Because to me, it's, it's interesting. I looked at the ballot and I was like, I don't think Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, other pitchers, I went Pettit. Pettit was really good. I can go back and forth on him, but I didn't, I wouldn't have said yes. But then I'm like, okay, A-Rod. Yes, there's a steroid issue, but God damn it. He's, he's what, third all the time in home runs? Yeah, Second? I mean, he, he did do what he did, so... So how do you do that? And, you know, it's just like, if you're going to hold Coors Field against Todd Helton, then are you going to hold steroids against Alex Rodriguez? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why I wonder if the committee votes are going to shift some of this. Yeah. So here's how the committees work. There are, um, there's four of them. They are the... Contemporary Baseball Players Committee, which is from 1980 to present day. There is a Contemporary Baseball Non-Players Committee. There is a Classic Baseball Era, which is prior to 1980. And I'm sorry, that's the only three now. There was four, there is now three. Now they rotate each one meets every year. This year, it was actually done in December was the Contemporary Players Committee, which is 16 members. And those members, you must get 75% of the votes on. Okay. Because that's how Fred McGriff came in, right? Fred McGriff was the only one approved. So this year on the Contemporary Baseball Committee, here are the names they have. These are the names that were clear on the ballot. Fred McGriff, Don Mattingly, Kurt Schilling, Dale Murphy, Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Raphael Palmero. So those players are on the contemporary baseball era. And those people sat down and it is a, um, a list. It is one, two, three, four, five. It was six Hall of Fame players, uh, three, four, five, six, seven executives in baseball, and then three either media or historians. They Kind of like how the football Hall of Fame does it. They commit, they they check, they look at every one of them. They then yep. vote. You got to get 12 votes. You can only vote for four people. You can't vote for all of them. Okay. Fred McGriff got all 16. He got to use only one. He was unanimous. So Fred McGriff's going to go in with Scott Rowland, someone who should have been in a long time ago. Sure. In my opinion. The only reason Fred McGriff didn't get in before this is he didn't hit 500 home runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, but Fred McGriff was a Hall of Famer. But then there's a couple of names on here, and I'm like, this is where you can write some wrongs. Don Mattingly got eight. Don Mattingly's a Hall of Famer if Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer. And that's, I was surprised to hear his name on this. Notice I didn't say I would vote for Scott Rowland because I absolutely would not. He is not a Hall of Famer to me. And now I, you know, congratulations, he got in. 
But at no point in my, his career did I go, man, that Scott Rowland's a fucking fantastic third baseman. <laughs> I mean, he was good. He was very good. He was very good defensively. But he wasn't a great hitter. He never really won any awards. He was never an MVP or even in the MVP caliber for player. I don't mean you have to win an MVP to be a Hall of Famer, but if you're in the argument, that helps. Sure. And that's why some of the Mark Grace arguments pop up because yeah. Grace well, at least had gold gloves at first. So we're going to, and let's talk about the Scott Rowland thing. Well, we'll, well let's do the, the players ballot, then we'll go to Scott Rowland because that's yeah. where we're up with the Mark Grace player. Um, Kurt Schilling was next with seven. Kurt Schilling would absolutely be in the Hall of Fame, and I think deservingly so, if he just wasn't the right wing nut bag. That's the thing. I think it, with him, probably more than anyone else, people are going to choke on who he is personally yeah. and not be able to get past yeah. it. There, there's no doubt in my mind he's a Hall of Fame player. Though. No doubt. I mean, it's just he was great everywhere. He was dominant. Yeah. He was one of the best two or three pitchers in baseball for a 10-year period. Right. There's zero reason that Kurt Schilling should not be in the Hall of Fame. The next one is the guy who I am biased on because this guy was my favorite player as a kid, and that is Dale Murphy. I think it's a fucking crime Dale Murphy's not in the Hall of Fame, and I got to tell him that at the Hall of Fame a couple a few years ago. Nice. I got to meet him before the event, and I told him, I said, I will be back here when you get elected. And he was like, okay. really? I said, yes. I said, you will get in this Hall of Fame eventually. And when you do, I will be here. And he was like, that's awesome. Uh, he was there for the year Chipper Jones got in. That was the year I went as well. And he went to support Chipper. Uh, super, super guy. They say, don't meet your heroes. Uh, when Dale Murphy was your hero as a kid, you can meet Dale Murphy. Okay. Couldn't be, couldn't have been nicer. He got six votes. Um, how fuck he didn't get six, I got more than that, I don't understand. This is the guy that was, in my view, the best baseball player in the 1980s. I mean, just growing up, and because I had TBS and WDN, that's what you were seeing. He, people will say Mike Schmidt was the best player of the 80s. You can even argue George Brett. Del, Del Murphy won two MVPs. He should have won a third one. He was the reason that baseball grew in the 80s, even before Cal Ripken came along in the 90s, because he was on TBS every night. Yep. And super, super player. Uh, it's just that when it went off the rails for his career, it went off quickly. Yeah. His year, a couple of years in Philly weren't good. He played a season in Colorado. They was, he wasn't good there. When he left Atlanta, he wasn't as good anymore. Um, Albert Bell, who I somewhat sympathize with Albert Bell because he's an LSU guy. But <laughs> I, he's also crazy as cat shit. Um, I would not vote for Albert Bell for the Hall of Fame. The next three go back to our steroids argument. Now, Bell and these next three did not get even a quarter of the votes. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Raphael Palmeiro. I've said it before. Barry Bonds is probably the best baseball player of all time. It's kind of hard to argue against that. I mean, I've said the best player I've ever seen in person is Ken Griffey Jr. Correct. And just in the moment. But if you take sure. the career, nobody had a better career than Barry Bonds. And I've, I've read the book. I read Game of Shadows. And I know how he got into steroids. And I know what all happened. And I've seen it. He was a Hall of Famer before he did, before he did any of it. 
Which always makes you think, God, what a shame. <laughs> yeah, it's like, God damn it. It's because you weren't as big as McGuire. I mean, had he not done it, he still would have been in the Hall of Fame because he would have had 500 home runs and 300 goddamn, uh, 500 steals and everything else. Yeah. He, he wants still bases anymore. He wanted to hit home runs. But he's the greatest. He's the greatest hitter I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was sick. People would walk him. He can't walk with the bases loaded in a game once. Right. I mean, that. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. But the steroid thing, and it's damning. I mean, if you ever read Game of Shadows, it's damning. He knew what he was doing. Oh, absolutely. Falco thing, he knew exactly what he was doing. So I, I, I get it. But at the same time, during that time, none of that was against the rules. None of it was and against the rules. And that is very much how I'm wanting to see how these committees shake out. Because I don't know how they rotate members on that committee. Yeah, that doesn't and, appear to be. It doesn't appear to say that either. And so, when the '90s contemporaries are on that, and they have to acknowledge the fact that they all played with players who were on steroids, if they weren't, um, and the executives have to too. I mean. Yeah. You can't. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying you can't just pretend that it wasn't like that for every single team in the league. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point there. Here are the base. Who are the players who are on that committee right now? Okay. Reg Maddox, Jack Morris, Ryan Sandberg, Lee Smith, <laughs> Thomas, and Alan Trammell. How do they have three Cubs? On that committee, yeah, they got two tigers and a white side. Um, but yeah, so if you look at it, if you look, um, those guys are not letting Barry Bonds in the whole thing, they're not letting Roger Clemens in the whole thing. Those guys alone aren't going to vote for those guys. I wonder if Maddox would have a different viewpoint for as long as he played into the 90s with the Braves. Yeah, maybe. He he saw both sides more than Sandberg and Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know and I know that with like with Frank Thomas, he's been resolute in steroid guys shouldn't be in. Because he's saying, hey, I played in the same era. I had great stats and I didn't use them. But he's he uses also them now, though. <laughs> he's using something now. Um, yeah, I, I find it curious. I mean, again, I would, I'd vote for Barry Bonds. I would vote for Roger Clemens. I'm more pissed that Roger Clemens was a Yankee for part of his career than anything. I else. know. And then Raphael Palmero, he's always been one of those that he was just a stat gainer. Like he was never one of those great, great players, but he had 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. That used to get you in. And you had either or. He got both. I mean, like the yeah. list of guys who have both is like Aaron, Mays, um, Palmero, and like three others. I mean, it's ridiculous to get 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. Yeah. Um, so I, it's it's crazy on that thing. So they got the committee. So like next year's committee is going to be the non-player committee. It'll be the... So broadcasters uh, or uh, management? 
broadcasters have their own thing. They have the Ford Frick Award, which they get one of those every year. It's okay. going to be basically management guys, managers, GMs, owners, umpires, stuff like that. Okay. My guess is Joe West is going to get that eventually. Oh, that makes sense. That would be like Joe West would get in. Um, those kind of players like Pat Gillick, the GM who was with the uh, Blue Jays for years and years. He got in a few years ago. It'd be something like that. Um, Sherholtz, John Sherholtz is a Hall of Famer. Okay. Same kind of thing. Those kind of executives. Um, you'll see managers. I mean, managers would probably see like. Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker. Oh, definitely should be in. Dusty Baker still. Buck Showalter should also be in. Mm-hmm. And the other one I think should get in, and I hope the committee does this one, is Lou Pinella. Oh, I would love to see Lou. And I wonder if this is how Don Mattingly gets in as well. I don't think he'll get in as a manager. I think he'll get in as a player eventually. Okay. Yeah, I think there's going to be some support for Matt. I think he'll be sort of like what McGriff just was. Yeah. I think the next time around it'll be for Matt. Yeah. And, and I think because Matt, I think the, the Scott Rowland thing, I think, plays into that. You look at Scott Rowland, and we were talking about that briefly. We want to get into that now. And yep. we talked about there's a lot of complaints about Scott Rowland getting in. Now, look, he got to 75%. He's a Hall of Famer. He is mm-hmm. not someone I would have put on the ballot. I don't consider him one of the greatest third basemen of all time. I've never had that conversation and gone, oh, let me think. Brett, Brooks Robinson, Chipper Jones, Eddie Matthews. Oh, it's Scott Rowland. Right. No. I mean, like, I'll put Nolan Arnato on there now. Yeah. He's on that list for me. Um you know, a few others, but there's not very many third basemen. Machado might end up being one of those guys too, but yep. Scott Rollins is not in that, that, that atmosphere. But it brings up a point. One of the great things I saw this on Twitter, and I think you saw the same thing I saw. You already brought the name up. A, a cop to Scott Rollins was Mark Grace, someone yes. who we both are big fans of. Mark Grace was, and he has a stat that nobody has. More hits than any player in the 1980s. 1990s, 1990s. More hits than any player in the 1990s. And an exceptional first baseman defensively. I mean, he was, Mark Grace to me is one of the two or three most best defensive third basemen of all time. First baseman. First baseman. I just, I, yeah, I meant first. I'm sorry. First baseman. I mean, I believe him. I think Keith Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, those two are kind of heads and shoulders above everybody else at first. And Mark Grace never got any love for the Hall of Fame. I mean, he didn't have 3,000 hits. And back then, you know, a few years, number of years ago, you were a hitter and you weren't a slugger. You had to get 3,000 hits. He didn't. But he had the most hits in a decade. It's the Dale Murphy argument. He was the best player in the 80s. Yeah. Mark Grace yeah. did the same thing to me. And get Scott Rowland in there, and I'm like, ah. If Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, Mark Grace is a Hall of Famer. And, and to the point of Grace at least has the gold gloves to back yeah. everything else up. Because I no, think Roland he has three, or, he had three or four. Rowland had a bunch. Let me see this. So he, they were they were comparable at least as far as gold gloves. Yes, they are. Let me get to the number here. But I mean, and yes. It's a Homer thing for me because it was part of that real renaissance with the Cubs in the late 80s, early 90s, before they collapsed again. Um, 
that made it so much fun. Yeah. Here's an idea for you. So Mark Grace had four gold gloves. Uh-huh. Roland had seven. Okay. There's a difference. But then also Scott Rowland had 2,077 hits in his career, in his 16-year career. In Mark Grace's 16-year career, he had 2,445. He had 400 more, 400 more hits. Uh, home runs, Roland had more. He had 300. Um, Roland won a Rookie of the Year. He won a Silver Slugger. He was an All-Star seven times. Grace is an All-Star four times. Okay. Won the World Series in 01 with the yep. Diamondbacks. Yep. Um, again, I hit a 300 career batting average. Mark Grace did. Scott Rowland's average was 281. I mean, so it's really you, hard to have a career yeah. batting average of 300. 300. Mickey Mantle did. Mickey Mantle hit 298. I mean, think about that. It's a guy who won. He won, and he won the uh, the triple crown twice. Right. So yeah, to get three hundred is a career batting average. So I think the Scott Rowland thing opens up the argument of I want to see Mark Grace. I want to see Don Mattingly. I want to see Dale Murphy in there now. Because and again, I'm not trying to make it seem like Scott Rowland's a bad player. Certainly not. But if you listed the greatest third baseman of all time. You'd have to go down a ways till you got the Scott Roll. Yes, that would not be your number one choice. And you'd never looked at Scott Rowland and went, oh, you know, he started in the 96, he did, in the 2000s, you know, from 2000 to 2010, the heart of his career. Was yep. he one of the players in baseball? How many people actually knew his name outside the Philly market? Yeah. And Cincinnati there at the end for three years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he played in Philly for six years. He played in St. Louis for five, Toronto for two, Cincinnati for three. So he also jumped around a little bit. Yep. Which I don't think should work against you. I think it did work against McGriff for a while. But I don't think that should work against you, especially in today's game. No. I mean, you can't because you're it's, – it's – you're a commodity. You are not a brand the way that it used to be when you were localized in your market. So I, I just I love the whole Hall of Fame thing. I, I I love baseball and I love the Hall of Fame. I've, I've been; it's great. Uh, if you're a real baseball fan, you should absolutely go. You should absolutely go to an induction ceremony. It's totally worth it. That whole weekend, the whole city is just buzzing. Mm-hmm. When I say city, it's like a town. It's like five blocks. Well, I mean, it's uh, called yeah. Cooper's Town for a reason, yeah. right? Yeah, it's <laughs> this little bitty town right by a lake in upstate New York. It's fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't have like a whole lot to do there. <laughs> sure. It's the Hall of Fame and a golf course. That's about it. So, um, but I wanted to get into all that and talk about the baseball stuff. And I thought it'd be interesting, a little sidebar instead of trying to do, you know, a whole bunch of NFL stuff or anything else. I wanted to have some fun with this today. Well, you know, pitchers and catchers report in the next week, week and a half. So it's timely, and we'll see what this season brings. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to going to some baseball games with the, the new schedule yeah. uh, that they've got out. Yeah. The Rockies are going to play 
um, some good teams and they won't have a shot at beating them because their ownership sucks ass. So at least I can see other good teams here. That's what I do at Royals games. Like I'm not going to see the Royals. I'm going yeah. to see, I go see the Red Sox. I go see Mike Trout. I go see, you know, Alex Bregman when he's in town, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so we have both the Yankees and the Angels coming in this summer, which is going to be excellent. So should you decide to make another road trip out here, you can schedule around those. Yeah. You think the Red Sox are coming or not? Um, I don't believe the Red Sox are coming. It's just the, the Angels and the Yankees. You're in the division with the Dodgers. I can go see Mookie Betts. So that's what we'll do. Well, yeah, but I'm just like, oh, they play here three or four times a year. <laughs> they don't play here. Yeah, the Dodgers right. don't play here like once every five or ten years. So yeah, like, fair enough. Yeah, so yeah, I have to uh, figure that out. And then, yeah, I, I look at the schedule the same way when I get the Royals schedule. I'm like, okay, I try to get the Red Sox schedule and be like, can I make it to Boston this year? Or then I try to get like, okay, can I make a road trip somewhere? Yep. You know? And then I look to see when the Sox come here. They don't come here till like September. Yeah, I think they're, um, oddly enough, I think the Rockies are closing out against the Twins, which is a little surprising um, with the balanced scheduling that they would have an interleague game. And I could be totally wrong on that. They have to because there's the way the balance works. There's always an extra. There's one extra on each side, 15 teams in each league. And so it's just, it, it's really kind of weird to close out um, the season with an American League team, you know? Yeah, I was just looking. I'm looking at the Red Sox schedule here. It's like they're not in Kansas City till it's, it's, I think it is September. Which by that time, I've kind of had it. I'm like, okay, whatever. Sure. It's, it's, it's Labor Day weekend. Oh, okay. Well, at least it's a long weekend. You can enjoy the, the series. I go to the series, yeah. It's going to be hot. <laughs> So, yeah, but it'll be fun. Um, I never go when the Yankees are in town. I can't do the Yankees. I hate, Not just as the Yankees. I hate their fans, too. So, What else you got this week? Anything fun? Um, lots of basketball. Or, yeah, so Nicholas has a tournament on um, Sunday. He found out that they made the school playoffs, so they'll have their first playoff game on Monday. And uh, so that's all really exciting. But beyond that, it's just kind of hanging out. We're in that lull of pretending that we care and we'll watch uh, any of the all-star game stuff. Yeah, the Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah this weekend. I, I got to pull into a Frank Tank kind of weekend. I got to go Sunday to um, um, Ikea and Bob's Discount Furniture and maybe a nice. Home Depot. Good chance, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, wifey already said you're going to do this on Sunday because there's no football. So, yeah, yeah. I'll uh, least favorite weekend because now it's like you get that tease. There's no bait, there's no football this weekend. Then we have the Super Bowl and then football's gone. So, yeah, no, I mean, a, KU's got the early game on Saturday, so uh, that should be entertaining. I'll be watching that at 10 o'clock in the morning, drinking beer. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, Hilton Magic doesn't come home to roost after the last couple of games. But yeah, otherwise pretty quiet. Well, we got to send a shout out to DraftKings. Now we're going to do this. We're not going to pick any games this week. We're going to pick the Super Bowl and everything next week. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to get together midweek, you, me, and Uncle Rico, and we're going to pick the game. And then we're also going to pick two or three prop bets that we like, whether they're funny or serious or whatever you like. Uh, these are all stuff you can find at DraftKings. So we're fortunate enough that DraftKings to sponsor the podcast. So if you uh, read our show notes, you're going to see the link for DraftKings. You get up to $200 of free bets from DraftKings. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have all sorts of cool stuff with the Super Bowl coming up. So lots of different prop bets. You can bet how long is the national anthem going to take yeah. uh, over or under. Who's who, wins the, who wins the coin flip? You know, yeah, who wins the coin flip? Will it be heads or tails? Um, things like that. Um, you know, who's going to be MVP? You know, the, you, know who yep. the favorite for the, you know who the favorite for the MVP of Super Bowl is? Uh, it's got to be Mahomes. It's Hurts. Oh. Slightly, it's like Hertz is like minus 125 and Mahomes is like minus 175. Um, because you were about to ask a question and I cut you off accidentally, Chris Stapleton is singing the national anthem. Who is Chris? Stapleton? I've heard that name, but I don't know who that is. So he's more would be probably slotted in um folk, American rock, country. He had a huge hit album with. Um, what's his face from NSYNC that I'm Britney Spears's ex-boyfriend why I'm Justin Timberlake uh, a few years back he's I've heard he's amazing live like it's going to be I would imagine him on his guitar maybe his wife joining him if not the whole band so it might be a little bit slower rendition so you're saying we should bet the over I'm kind of thinking so. I'm not going to place a lot of prop bets because I've already placed a couple. <laughs> um, but I, um, I'm i not placing on the national anthem. I do have a rule for that, though. If a lady is singing the national anthem, I go over. Fair. They hit those notes, and they're going to hold on to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's, that's some of my rules on that. Um, it'll be interesting, but we're going to pick out a couple. Each of us will. And uh, we'll all get an MVP pick as well. Okay. Pick an MVP. I know you're going to pick Mahomes. I am also going to pick a Chief, but not Mahomes. I'm not picking Mahomes as the MVP. I'm probably not going to either. I, I'm leaning toward the Eagles instead. So um, I think the spread's going to move drastically next week. I think that's fair. I mean, we saw that happen with the Bengals as well. Yeah. It's all about if these these Chiefs players are healthy, they're not going to be the underdog kickoff. That's kind of my thing. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I think think it's going to be a really good game. I think these are the two teams that are the best, probably the best two teams. I mean, you can argue, you know, the 49ers or or the Bengals were better at times. But these are probably the two most consistently good teams all season. I think the Eagles have been the best team all year. So it'll be fun. We'll talk a lot about that. We'll break that game down. I'm going to get all sorts of nerded up into that next week's podcast. Next week's podcast. Sweet. It'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, But don't forget, check out the, the uh, link in the show notes. You can get on there with DraftKings. If you're here in Kansas, you're out there in Colorado, you can gamble, get your sports book, get it going. You get, uh, it helps us out a little bit. It also helps you get a little extra cash. 
And, uh, you know, maybe you'll make a little bit of extra money. Remember, we tell you the game responsibly. Yes. Yeah, don't bet, bet with your head, not over it. So, hey, uh, Edub, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for being so patient for the last week with all this other stuff going on. And Don't worry and, about it. Uh, so I really appreciate you. Uh, I want to also thank Tyler Jones, everybody at the Studio Soapbox for all they do behind the scenes. I was not on the Jones Report this week. I've been too busy. I'll be back next week for his Super Bowl preview as well. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every four-star review. So for Ellen Wingenter, I'm Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week. And remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Thanks. you.